This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. for the chicken. Okay, amazing sponsorship. Perek Chavchaz, Pazach Chaz, the Pazach says, and Parshas told us 5782, Esav saw that the Benos Canaan, the daughters of Canaan, were evil in the eyes of Yitzchak, his father. This is the very end of the parsha, the very end of Toldos. Esav went to Yishmol. He took Machalas, it's also pronounced Machalas, the way that we say it is Machalas. The daughter of Yishmol, the son of Avram, the sister of Nebaios, upon his wives already, to be another wife for him. So it's interesting. The fact that Esav saw that these women were evil, so he didn't divorce them, he didn't get rid of them, he added on a wife from Yishmol. Not from Lavan, he went to Yishmol. So Rav Victor Miller says, the reason why it says, Vayar, Vay, it says over here, Vayar Esav twice, in Pasuk Vav and in Pasuk Ches, this is the one in Pasuk Ches, because Esav looked back and recognized the evil of his ways. Rav Victor Miller is trying to say this in a good way, in a positive way. The episode of him losing the brachos to Yaakov, his brother, made a real impression on him. He realized that he did something wrong. He had not been around to hear his parents' wishes. He was out in the fields doing whatever it was, doing work and whatever it was. But it was too little, too late. Machalas was not a great person. He chose his third wife, third wife, very poorly. And he was left with another bad wife. And additionally, Rashi says, al-nashav means adding to his wickedness. He didn't get rid of them. He added to it. He said it was al-nashav, hoping that that would be enough to placate his father. But he had no desire to get rid of the people, those wives, even though he knew they were bad for him. Likute Sicho suggests this might be why there's a trup of Kadma Ba'azla on the words Bas Yishmael Ben Avraham. A Kadma Ba'azla, which we have those two things going back and forth. Because he continued to do evil. He was Kadma Ba'azla. He just kept going. He couldn't stop. In order to try to trick his father into thinking that he was a tzaddik, he was willing to do anything. And that's what kind of a person he was. The Barbanel says, Esav really could care less what his dad thought. By this point, when he lost the brachos, he said, I'm not in this anymore. What difference does it make to me? I'm not gaining anything. I'm not going to get anything other than what I already got. He said, I'm out. So he said, all he cared about, I should say his mother, I'm sorry. All he cared about is dad. Where's dad in all this? And even then, he didn't understand what he should have done. He should have gotten rid of his wives. He could care less about his mother. His father is the only one that he thought about. And even then, that's why it says, Be'ene Yitzchak Aviv. The Mi'amluwes says, even though they were evil in the eyes of Yitzchak, they caused him to become blind. The stuff that they were doing, whatever it was, burning the Ketoris to Avodah Zarah, caused his father Yitzchak Avinu to go blind. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter. He still kept doing it. And look at the wording, Be'ene Yitzchak Aviv. In the eyes of Yitzchak, his father, he knew it was bothering him. He knew it was ruining him. And he could care less. He still went. And he went for who? Yishmol's daughter? Yishmol who hated Yitzchak? Yishmol who was kicked out of the house because of Yitzchak and he goes, he marries into that family. It's such a strange thing. This forno shows us that Esav still very much cared what his father thought. Had Yitzchak protested and sort of puts it into a muster board, blaming Yitzchak Avinu, had he only protested, had he said it out loud, had he said, don't marry Machalas, don't marry these two women from Canaan, had he said that, then things would have been completely different. The Torah Morris says something very, very strange. 
but I think I understand it in context. The Torah more says, not only did he have two wives, he had 60 wives and 80 concubines. 60 wives and 80 concubines, Esav. Now, I don't think he means this literally. I think what the Tzor Hamor means by this, again, he's a late Rishon, early Achron, I think what the Tzor Hamor means over here is that based on the Pasuk in Shir Hashirim, Perek Vav, Pasuk Ches, he was together with many people's wives and together with many single women. And because of that, it's as if he had 60 wives and 80 concubines based on the znus and the gilia rias that he was doing. But he actually only had two wives and this third one, Mokalas, that was it. Technically married only two, maybe four. We don't know if the names are switched on purpose or not. But at least it was this. But in fact, that, that's part of the issue, that Esau had so many wives and none of them were positive people. None of them were people that were going to make him better. Every single one was a negative aspect of Esau's personality that took him down a little bit more. The Chassam Silver in Torah's Moshe says, HaKadosh Baruch who knew that Hashem, that Esau was extremely angry with Yaakov and might kill him. So he made him busy with everything else, with the Shidduch. He was so angry at Yaakov, if he had nothing else to do, then he would have killed Yaakov. So Hashem made him busy, gave him a shidduch, made sure that he had to go to Yishmael so he would be doing something else and Yaakov could escape and go to Lavan. A man approached Rebusa Zoberstein. He told him he took a wrong turn. He found himself in an Arabic neighborhood, right, where a wedding was taking place. This is around, hold on one second, guys. Sorry. There. There we go. So there was... Uh, it was around the beginning of the 2000s. He found himself in an Arabic neighborhood and he wasn't sure exactly what to do. So he, he, what he did was he walked, he saw that there was a wedding going on, saw there was a wedding right there in front of him. So he cursed out the Arabs, wished that they would die, and prayed that that couple should get divorced and lose all their children. Pretty stark, right? Pretty crazy. But that's what he did. Afterward, he felt a little bit bad about what he did. He went to Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein, Zenelin Shabach, and he asked him, did I do the right thing? So the Rav quoted this Chassam Sofer in Torah's Moshe and said, it could be that a Kaddish Baruch who caused this wedding to happen so that there would be less damage and that people who otherwise would have done something bad to a Jew got together at this wedding and didn't do something bad to Jews. So the wedding was a positive thing for both them and for us. And therefore, you can't curse out somebody, even if you're super mad at them, because it was at the time, the early 2000s, there were bombings after bombings after bombings. Nonetheless, don't do it because at that point... At that point, it could be that Kaddish Baruch who's doing it in order for it to be there. The Chassam Sofer says, I sent Yishmael a shidduch, so that, Esav, I said, a shidduch, so that he wouldn't do anything to Yaakov. Perhaps Kaddish Baruch who sent this wedding to save Jews from being bothered or being hurt or something else happening to them otherwise, and therefore you should bless the wedding. Maybe you don't feel like blessing them, but don't curse them out. So Rav Arya Levin, if anybody remembers, he was the tzaddik in our time. Anybody remembers the, the, the book at tzaddik in our time? Beautiful, unbelievable book. Right? Rav Arya Levin, he was the father-in-law of Rav Yashiv. Rav Arya Levin, at the end of his life, was asked by his sons, Talmidim, I don't know who it was, but somebody asked him if he would curse the enemies of Eretz Yisrael. 
whether that refers to people that were living there or not living there, he said, can you curse all the people that are enemies of Eretz Yisrael? And Ravari Levin asked, why would I curse anyone when I have the opportunity to bless B'nai Yisrael? Why would I do one instead of the other? Clearly, cursing our enemies is not the right path to take. That's what he told the guy. That, that wasn't a good thing, and that person should not do that. Instead, bless everybody else that it should happen in a positive way from this Psalm Sofer that a Kaddish Baruch who sometimes sends these things to do other things instead. Okay, the Orachim Kadosh adds that this shows that Esau himself didn't care that his wives were evil people were worshipping idols. Clearly, he could care less about it, right? He only cared that his father didn't like them. Clearly, he also didn't care enough to divorce them. He didn't want to do that. He just knew that he shouldn't add to them with other Kanani girls. He was only worried what would happen. And here's what the Orachim HaKadosh ends with. And he says, because he knew there were brachos that his father had given him. He didn't get the brachos of Yaakov, but he did get some brachos. And he knew those brachos would not be chal on his children from the Kanani women. So he purposely married a Yishmaeli woman, a woman that came from Yishmael's family, said the brachos could be chal on their kids and not anything else. Which means, says the Orachim HaKadosh, he only did this so that the brachos happened to him. That's the idea. And the Chassam Sofer says the exact same thing in the Torah's motion. So does the base Yeshaya. In fact, he says in the Sefer Chassam Sofer, the word bayar means he saw through his truffim, his magic. Apparently, Esau had a lot of different ways of telling the, telling the future. He did have the Adoa bone. If anybody remembers, remember that creature that's attached to the ground with his little belly to a pumpkin? And that if you take it, its bone, you're able to put it underneath your tongue, you're able to tell the future. He did have that because he was the Ish, your dad's side, Ish Sada. The Ish Sada is referring to that Edoni animal, right? So something that he was able to do over there. So he probably knew that he didn't have to. He didn't have to worry about his previous wives. Well, he didn't have to divorce them. He just had to make sure that there was one child that was Roy for everything to be born. And he did exactly that. He could care less about anything else. The Chizkuni says that Esau heard the Yitzel gave another bracha to Yaakov. At the very, very end, aside from the brachos he gave at that time when he was 63, etc., there was another bracha given when he was ready to go get married, and he sent him off to Lavan. He gave him a bracha that said, you will get Eretz Yisrael. And therefore he thought, maybe if he marries another daughter from the family, he'll be zochah to some part of Eretz Yisrael. He never got it. He never got any part of Eretz Yisrael, but he thought maybe it would happen. It just never did. Yeah, Dave? Yes. So there must be something good about her. I'm going to get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get to it. Whether or not this girl was actually good or bad. We know about the Ishmael's family part. But was this girl a good girl or not? Give me a second with and that. Then, and then sort of segue from that, like, at that point, Avram's dead, right? So mm-hmm. that means, according to some portion, right, that uh, Yishmael had already done Shuvah. Right. He was a tzaddik. At that right. Yishmael would have been a tzaddik at the end of Avram Vinu's life, which definitely would happen until now. Hold on. Both. So you're asking good. You're asking me, what about Machlas? What about Yishmael? They were seemingly good people. Go ahead. Too far down. It's not part of any part of Eretz Yisrael that we're ever going to have. The question is whether we get the land of Edom. Right, which could include Harseir, might not. But we're going to get the land of Edom, Moab, and Ammon in the future. But definitely it was never part of biblical Eretz Yisrael, and they never had it at any point. They were told to go around it, not to go anywhere near. And I don't know if that's considered Eretz Yisrael, though, or if it's just considered the extension of Eretz Yisrael later on in the future when everything happens. I don't know. That I don't know. But it's a good call. Anyway, Rechaim Peltiel finds this very strange. Asaph didn't do anything after the brachos were given over to Yaakov. Only now, after the latest bracha, he decided to go to Yishmael's family. Why would he think Yishmael's family was any better? What was he doing exactly? And clearly, Yitzchak didn't want Yaakov marrying into that family. He would have told Yaakov to do it. So what's going on over here? He also asks why Pesach, Bob, and Ches both use over here. He answers. 
Asa became so upset when he realized that Yitzchak didn't want Yaakov to marry Kanani woman and didn't say anything to him. He became so insanely jealous when Yaakov went to Aram. Listen to what he did. He became jealous, saw that Yaakov left. He decided to get revenge by getting Yitzchak's older brother Yishmael involved. So what did he do? He told him, Yitzchak Avinu went to Yishmael and said, Yitzchak Avinu is giving away the land of Israel. Didn't Abraham have that land? And he should have divided up between you, Yishmael, and you, Yitzchak. He said it should be divided up between the two of you. Why in the world are you allowing this to happen? You know what he hoped? He hoped that Yishmael was going to get so upset, he was going to go and kill Yitzchak. That's what he hoped. He would marry into Yishmael's family. Yishmael has killed, killed Yitzchak. Yaakov, as a Goal Hadam, the redeemer of the blood that was spilled, Yaakov would then kill Yishmael. And then Esav, who's the son-in-law of Yishmael, would kill Yaakov as the Goel Adam for his father-in-law Yishmael. There was a convoluted plan here, says Rechaim Paltiel, who's a Rishon. A convoluted plan. If I get Yishmael involved, then Yishmael will kill Yitzchak. Then Yaakov will kill Yishmael. And I will be able to kill Yaakov. All through Goel Adam. And that was the plan. The problem was it didn't come into fruition because Yishmael died. Died before any of this happened. Shlomo, what were you going to ask? No, not at all. Son-in-law can never become a Goel Adam. However, according to that Machlokis, Rabbi Yekiva, Rabbi Yishmael, where there's a Shaila, if a Goel Adam is a Roshus or a Chova, right? It's possible if it's a Roshus, then anybody could do that. And the truth is, if there, the Goel Adam is the redeemer of blood when somebody kills, right? If A kills B, so A is supposed to die. So if he kills Bishogig, let's say, he gets to run to Gullus. If he doesn't go to Gullus, the Goel Adam, who is B's relatives, are allowed to kill A. He's allowed to fight back, but you're allowed to do it. So it's possible. So it could be that a goal Adam could be somebody who's close, even though it's not necessarily that person himself. Yeah, Mati. So does it actually chain like that? If A accidentally kills someone and B is the son of that person who died and then kills A, can now A's son go back and kill B? No, because he had permission to do so, or possibly even a chova to do so. Could even be a chiv to do so. So no one, there's no goal Adam in that case. The only time there's a goal Adam is if a murder happened beshogeg or bemazed with no Adam and you know it happened. Do you get what I'm saying? Because if there's Adam and Hasra, the guy is killed. If there's Adam without Hasra, so you know it happened, then a goal Adam can put there, whether it's beshogeg or bemazed. But if there are no Adam, how do you know it actually happened? So there's no goal Adam because you can't guarantee there was an actual death in the situation. So the chain that Asa planned doesn't work for a couple of reasons then. Why? Right, Yishmael will kill Yitzchak in front of Adam, and then Yaakov will kill Yishmael in front of Adam, and then Esav will kill Yaakov in front of Adam. Oh, he doesn't have to care anymore. That's it. You just said if there's Adam, then... Oh, no, no, Adam without Hasra, without warning. Adam with warning, they get killed, you know, and based in. Without Hasra, then you still have the possibility of a Gola Adam. No, 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 you're right, 100%. But if the person goes out and does it anyway, <laughs> we don't know what the laws were before the Torah. So Asa might have taken advantage of it and gone ahead. Yeah, Shlomo, quick. Um, depending whether the guy did have an Akamara or a Yisrael, would have made a difference because they also have Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, that does matter. Okay, I'm not getting into that. I, I don't want to get into that. Right, the Machlokis that the Parsha's Drachem brings down would apply to this. I definitely agree with that. Okay, 
The Chizkuni brings down the Pasuk, he says, birds of a feather flock together. He doesn't actually say those words, but it's pretty close. Like birds that are alike, they, say, they hang out with each other. Chazal said in Bava Kama, Tzadi Beis and Mabez. Omri and she people say, Dikla Bisha Gabekina Desarchi. A bad palm tree are found by barren trees. Asa was a bad guy, so he found his way to Yishmael. Right? And therefore, he was able to get near Yishmael itself. So, Rav Chaim Kinyaski asked the question that Dave asked before. But Yishmael did tshuva. We know Yishmael did tshuva. At the end of his life, he did tshuva. He allowed Yitzchak to bury Avram before he did. So if he did tshuva, he's not a bad guy. So he said, Yishmael, this is what Rav Chaim Kinyaski says, Yishmael didn't do tshuva gemura. He didn't do tshuva gemura until he died. And that's why it says, Vayigva by his death. He did tshuva, he allowed Yitzchak to go first, but not yet to be considered like a tzaddik. Not until he actually died and he felt bad at the end of his life. And then Vayigva. The Miamloes says an amazing thing. Originally, no one could tell the difference between Yaakov and Esav. You know, we say up until the age of 13 slash 15, depending on the Machlokas, Rashi, Ramban, when Esav went bad. When, until that point, nobody could tell the difference between them. And don't tell me, what do you mean? Esav was super hairy. Esav was super hairy at birth. But it's possible that when he shaved, which I would assume he did at some point, cut his hair, and Yaakov may have been with red hair as well. I have absolutely no idea. They may have looked exactly alike. There's no one that says that they weren't identical twins. They could have been identical twins. In fact, I have a few rayas that they might have been from the Levusha Ora, etc., that they may have been identical twins. And if they were identical twins, nobody could tell the difference. Not just in their midos and the way they were, that's what Rashi says, but even more so the way that Zemiam Lois says, no one could tell the difference even physically between them. But then they saw the women they married and realized that one was a tzaddik and one was a Russia. This is like a man who caught two birds and couldn't tell whether one was a Torah bird or a Tame bird. So what did he do? He put them in a cage with a bunch of different birds. The Tahor bird ended hanging out, ended up hanging out with all the Tahor birds. And the Tame bird hang, hung out with all the Tame birds. And he realized which one was Torah, which one was Tame. He took Esav and Yaakov and you sent them out into the world. You saw who Esav married, you saw who Yaakov married. You could tell what kind of people they were by the people that they married. And that's that. Yes? I thought we also could tell the difference by the Gadim because there's no question that there might have been. I don't mean like you couldn't tell the difference in certain ways. Like I can still tell the difference between twins and how they were, although some twins, it's impossible, right? But you can still sell certain things from one twin to the other. But it's possible that if they wore the same clothing, you'd still be able to tell the difference. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference between them. Yeah. Uh, if you say that, why can't, why can't you say that Esau could just say back that I had to take my own lives while Yitzchak sent him to go get in or whatever and put it somewhere over there. No one is stopping Esau from going to Lavan. No one's stopping him. He had 14 years when Yaakov is sitting in Yeshiva Shem Be'ever to go to Lavan and get Leah. He could have married Leah. Leah was afraid of it. She was crying the whole time about it. No one was stopping him and yet he did not. Yaakov, what's up? Same exact thing. Yeah, that's the exact same thing. Yaros Zvash and Jush Hay. Yaros Zvash and Rabbi Yonasam says, Why Esau went to Yishmael now and not before? He says, He answers that he heard his father say to Yaakov that children of his mother would be his servants, so he specifically chose Yishmael's daughter so their children would have a certain Yichus that would prevent them from being over there. There's a party, Yosef, on this as well that deals with Yichus before Matan Torah. Amazing idea. Rashi asks why Nevaios is mentioned. Did you notice over here? She's the daughter of Yishmael, sister of Nevaios. Yishmael had 12 boys. Why is Nevaios brought down? Yeah, he's the oldest son, but why would Nevaios be mentioned if they were all brothers? She's the sister of all of them. Like, well, what in the world is the shot over here behind it? So I found six answers to this question. Rashi answers that Yishmael died after Esav got engaged to his sister, after, to his daughter, and Nevaios is the one that married her off. 
So again, she was the daughter of Yishmael, then Yishmael died, and Nevaios is the one that married him off, married her off. That makes sense. David, as it says, he was the most honorable son of Esau, of Yishmael, so he's mentioned by name. Or number three, Yishmael had many wives. These two were of the same mother. Nevaios and Machalas were from the same mommy and daddy. They were full brothers and sisters. Okay, that's an easy answer. Rukhain Knievsky says her mother was the daughter of Kazdiel, the Egyptian Mechashef. If anybody's heard that name before, Kazdiel, the Egyptian magician, which is a nice thing to say together, mentioned in Midbar Kedmos Aleph Lama So at least we have the name of one of Yishmael's wives. There are two others that are mentioned by the Medrash, but I don't remember this one. The Rashbam, number four, says we often call out the older brother when speaking about a sister. Miriam is the sister of Aaron. So the oldest brother is sometimes mentioned because it's the most Chashev, right, Naftali? You're the most Chashev, right? And that's obvious. So since you're there, therefore we mention Nevaeus because he was the oldest and that's that. Rabbeinu Ephraim, number five, says we mentioned Nevaeus because even though Yishmael did tshuva and was considered a Ben Avraham, as you said before, Dave, again, he did shuva before he died. He's a Ben Avraham. His children were still evil, and Machalas was still evil. Nevaios was her brother. Nevaios was evil. Yishmael might have done shuva. Nevaios didn't, and Machalas was the sister of Nevaios. She was evil. He was evil. They were both here. That's to tell us that he went after, she went after her brother, not her father. The Chidah says, we know she was evil, because the Gemara says in Sota that Zivug Sheni, not Zivug Risho, Zivug Sheni is according to what you do in life. According to what you do in life, that's what Zivug Sheni is all about. Meaning the second marriage that a person has is according to who you are as a person. Which means if you're a Russia, you're going to marry a Russia. If you're a Tzaddik, you're going to marry a Tzaddik. That's what Zivug Sheni is. Since this was not, Yishm- it's not Esau's first rodeo, he's been married twice, this is his third wife. If Esau is evil then she was evil. And that's how we understand that it's going to be. That's the, Mal- the Malvim says, we always look at a girl's brothers to see what the children are going to be like. That's interesting. When you go out with a girl, check out her brothers. You see the brothers. If you like those brothers, great. And if you don't, don't marry her. That would be something that would be interesting to find out. And again, we always want to say that obviously there's Bechir in all this and some girls outweigh the, the negatives. Right? That's possible. But regardless, Ruchayim says, in Tami Dekar, Ruchayim says that Esav was worried that... She would be, Machalas would be like Avram Avinu. When, she, when he saw that she was really the sister of Nevaios, he's like, oh, phew, she's evil. I'm okay with that. And he went ahead and married her because of that, not against that. However, I will tell you, and this is what Dave was hinting to do before. The Moshev Zekanim says at first she was known as Bosmas. She was perfumed, so to speak. She's mentioned in Parak Lamed Ches as being a good person. But then she married Esau. And she got corrupted and became a very bad person. Even though she's Akos Nevaios and Nevaios is evil, I guess she wasn't affected by it. She was the daughter of Yishmael ben Avram. She's like Yishmael, the Balchuva, like Avram Avinu. And in the end, unfortunately, she became Machalas, a woman filled with sickness. In the end, she had an opportunity to do tshuva like her father, but she didn't do it. And that's why there's a psik. If you look in the Torah, it says Machalas, there's a little line. And then it says Bas Yishmael ben Avram. A line. Because she was Machlas. She could have been so good. And yet, stop. She's not like Yishmael ben Avram. She was not the right person. She didn't do everything over here. And then Itziv says something crazy. Then Itziv says, originally Esav went to Yishmael to do his nefarious plan. Right? I'm going to kill, I'm going to cause Yishmael to kill Yitzchak. And I'm going to cause Yitzchak to kill, uh, Yaakov to kill Yishmael. And then I'm going to kill Yaakov. Then Itziv says, listen to this. Yishmael died. He was in this plan. He told over Yishmael. Yishmael said, I can't. And then did tshuva and died. Esav watched Yishmael do tshuva on his deathbed. 
Now, I don't know if anybody here has been by someone on their deathbed when a person was dying and does tshuva right there at that moment. But even Esav was affected by it. Even Esav. And when he saw his uncle Ishmael sit on his deathbed, sit and say, Shema Yisrael, Shema Elkeinu, Shema Echad, Avram, you know, I'm so sorry. I wish I could have been a better person. When he did tshuva, Esav had thoughts of tshuva. And when he got married to Machalas, he had complete, utter thoughts of tshuva and was forgiven for all of his sins. That's what ended up happening. Is that crazy? This is the Nitziv. That's why there's a psik. And it says, Machalas, stop. Machalas, she could have been bad. A sickness. But there was a psik. When Esav saw that Yishmael died, she became Mechila. She forgave. They were forgiven for their sins. And she did well. And things would have been good. Machalas was brought to the house and she was trying to teach the women how to be better. Unfortunately, it never worked. And Esav in the end went back off. But he had his opportunity for tshuva, watching Yishmael do tshuva at the end of his life. And he did it and then stopped. And that's crazy in of itself. Now the truth is, this is all based on Yerushalmi. Yerushalmi Bikurim, Gimel Gimel, Perak Gimel, Halacha Gimel, says the reason she's called Mochalas is because someone who marries a woman will be forgiven for all of their sins. If you get married, you've heard this before, right? If a person becomes a king, if he changes his status in life, or if he gets married, he will be forgiven for all of his sins. That's the reason why we have a minute for a chassan to fast on the day of his wedding. What does that mean you change your status in life? It means like getting a new job, becoming a boss, you know, like something like that, something like really big. You can cause that to be a good Good change. Mishana mako, mishana mazel, so to speak. That could change everything. And therefore, there's a minute. The chassan fast on the day of his wedding. Now, as a timeout, I've never heard of a boss who was just made into a boss, right? Fasting on the day that he became the boss. I've never heard that before. But we do have this minute that we talked about last week of a chassan fasting on the day of his wedding. He says there are 120 days from Matan Torah until Yom Kippur. There are 120 words in Birchas Nisu in the brachas we make during the Shavah brachos. For this reason, to show that there's something you get forgiven for. Now, in the Nachos Yaakov, we've talked about this in previous years in Parshas Vayishlach, but the Nachos Yaakov points out that it must be that your sins are forgiven even when you get married for the second or the third or the fourth time. Because this is Esau's third wedding. And he's still getting forgiven for all of his sins. That's crazy. Those nine Latorah says, there are other reasons why we mention this by Esau's wedding. Number one, even if you're evil, even if you're evil, Esau was evil. He still was forgiven for all of his sins. He did Gilearias, Shvichos Damim, and Avodah And yet he was forgiven for all of that when he got married. That's those nine Latorah. It doesn't matter who you are. Your wedding is such an important time. And number two, it only works if you have your Hurei Tshuva. You can't just marry people randomly, like go to a 7-Eleven and be like, want to marry me? I just, I got to get rid of a couple sins right now. That doesn't work. And that's weird. Don't get married at a 7-Eleven. But those types of things are right there. Asaph says he was doing this for the right reasons, albeit mistakenly, because he wanted to do something for his father. It worked. And again, the Barashas Rabbah, which is similar to that Nitziv, and Samach Zayin says Asaph wanted to be Megayer at that point. He was willing to be Megayer, but in the end it never happened. And when I say Megayer, remember, there's a big machlokas of Asaph ever got a bris mila. 
it's possible he never got it. Because we know the halacha today. If a baby is super red or super yellow, we do not give a bris milah because we're afraid that the baby's going to die. When Esau was born, he was super red. So Yaakov, Yitzchak Vinu uh, never gave Esau a bris milah. It's possible. There's different midrashim on this. But he never gave him a bris milah. Esau never got it. He never got it when he was older. So he remained in Oral. So he wanted to be Megayer, says the Gemara, says the Medrash Rabbah. And the reason why is because he never had a bris meal. He wanted to give himself a bris meal. In the end, he didn't do it. But he wanted to do so. The Ksav Sofer says one of the reasons why we get married is because wives save us from our Averos. And that happens all the time. And our Yetzirah. If someone gets married and changes his ways, becoming a better Jew from that point on, then Lemafreya, retroactively, we see that not being married is the reason why he sinned before. So he's forgiven for his sins because now we see it's the marriage that turned him into a better person. So Lamafreya, we change everything about it. The Tosefis Bracha says the same exact thing as the Ksav Sofer. Rechaim Kiyevsky was asked how a chassan can get saras after his wedding. How could he get saras after his wedding? Because there's a whole Gemara. What happens if a person gets saras during his Sheva Brachos? But how could a chassan get saras during his wedding? He has no sins. How is that possible? Now the truth is, I will tell you right now, I don't see what the question is whatsoever. Maybe he sinned after the chuppah. I, I, I just don't get it. Like maybe he told Lush and Hara right afterward. I, I find that to be a really strange question. But he said, it doesn't help for being Adam Lechavero. It only helps for being Adam Lemakom. Isn't that interesting? So I said before that Esav did murder, adultery, and Avodah He was never going to be forgiven for the adultery and the, uh, the, the murder. He could be forgiven for the, for the Abu Zara, but not for anything else. I think that's an important point to point out. You can't go into it like that. I will tell you, he talks about a safer, Elif Kosav, that says the Reb Hirschmeyer, who was a Shochet in Yerushalayim, was told from Reb Shimon Sofer, the Chassam Sofer's son, at his wedding, in the name of his father, the Chassam Sofer, that a Chassan at his wedding, if this applies to anyone here, that'll be good, a Chassan at his wedding has the power of the biggest tzaddik of his generation. At that wedding, he is a tzaddik of his generation and his tefillos are always heard when he's forgiven for his sins. If you go up there asking for mechila and you get it, you can daven for anything. Tom Vidas, Rav Sturmbach says he heard from the altar Rebbe, Rabbi Yisrael altar of Ger, and he said that he would, I said the altar Rebbe, that he would tell Hasanim, don't waste this holy moment. It's, it's a holy moment from Hashem. Do not waste it. I personally have told people when I've been Masada Kedushin at their weddings that they should daven under the chuppah. That you have the biggest power in the world and you're a melech. You are a melech at that moment. Ask for anything. Daven for everything because everything is right there. However, the Meashi law says it's not what you think. It's not what you think. It's not really forgiveness in that way. Esav stood for anger and murder. Yishmael stood for the wrong type of love and adultery. Esav stood for anger. Yishmael stood for Ava, but messed up Ava. You had those two things together. Both are obviously evil, but they can be used for good. You can use your anger against the enemies of Hashem. You can use love for those who love Hashem. When Esav married Yishmael's daughter, it showed that he was so filled with evil. So filled with evil. Because he only did it for the wrong reasons. Being angry with Sadiqim and merciful to Rishayim, he was forgiven for all of his sins. That does not mean he got a mechila. You know what it means? It means God didn't care about him anymore. Any sins that he did, he couldn't get any worse. He was already on the lowest level of Gehenna, where he was going to go, that anything else he did could not add to how bad, how far he had sunk into this world. 
That's the shot behind it. He wasn't mocho on his sins, meaning forgiven, and now he's a tzaddik. He was forgiven for his sins. In other words, you, you might as well not be here. You might as well have just lived your life as a nothing. You lost everything. Says the Mashiach, that's what it means that he was forgiven for his sins. Chas Fisholom, he says, to say that he was actually forgiven. He was never forgiven. He went straight down. Yeah. How do we say that when his head ends up in Mashiach because he's full of Potential. Potential. I'm saying, but he learned from Yitzchak. Potential. He learned from Avram. Yeah, I mean, somebody like that obviously is going to be able to have I mean, something. Is it possible for him to be totally bad because he has the yes. Avram and yes. and all the Yes, I would tell you even worse. Because he had Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov, and look at what he became, that makes it much worse. So I didn't have an Avram in my life. Mar-Mahfela. I'm sorry? How, why is he so I said potential. Yeah, the potential. The potential. There's a possibility of what he could be. He is the reminder to all of what a person can be. And maybe that's what helped David Melech become the person that he became. David Melech was also born with challenges, many, as we know from the Midrashim. And yet he became the greatest chassid of all time because of his understanding of what Esav had and his challenges that he had to overcome. And we see that David Melech's life, whole life, is about passing these challenges. Sur Meirah, turning away from evil. And Esav never did it. I think that's a life lesson. And by the way, as a side note, I'm not sure if that medrash is meant to be taken literally. There are certain medrashim that we take literally and we say it's right there. But the idea of Esav's head in Ma'aras Machpela, I'm not sure if that's meant to be taken that literally his head is rolling around and into Ma'aras Machpela when Yaakov's smiling and saying like, oh, Baruch Hashem. I'm not sure if that Gemara and Soti Yud Gimel is really, that's what it means. If it is literal, then okay, we have and this is the idea behind it but there's something it could be or it could be that the head rolled into the cave and then they took it right out i mean that's what i would have done if asaph's head rolls into the cave it's not like i'm gonna bury it there i'm gonna kick it out i mean i would be disgusted but i would kick it out and i'd be like okay let's get this out of here it doesn't belong here i don't think anybody would complain if i did that right i think that makes the most sense the moral diskin, and I asked, guys, I, I, I should tell you beforehand, this moral diskin, I've heard this before because it's brought down in other places. Where if Sternbach brings it down as well, but for some reason, I've never seen a single shul do it. He says, the moral diskin says, there's a machlokas, how to read the word mochalas. Do you read it with a komat, mochalas, or is it with a patach, machalas? Which one is it? Which one is it? He said it's dependent on this machlokis that we mentioned above. If she was named because she caused Esav to be forgiven for her sin, for his sins, and everything was good, that's the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi in the Medrash, then it should be read with a komat. Macholach, macholach, macholach. Right? You should be forgiven. So her name is Mochalas with a komat. That's why you have to read it. But if we hold like Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar says it's a patach. Her name was Machalas. She was a Machala, a sickness, a disgusting person, someone that we don't want around. Then she's read as Machalas. So either way, you're Yotze the Kriya. Whether you read it as Machalas or Machalas, there's an opinion that you go with, and that's perfectly fine. In our Tikkun, and I checked it up, they all have Machalas in there. And even in the, I, I asked somebody who's a very Middaktis, somebody who's very, very good at Kriya. Right? And I asked him, what do you do? And the person told me he only reads it as machalas and he's never heard anybody do it as machalas. And I told him this Maral Diskin. I said, the Maral Diskin says, if you want, read it as machalas in Shvi and machalas in Maftir. Because it's in the Maftir. So you can switch it and do machalas the first time, machalas. When do we do that? 
When do we do that? We switch from Shvi to Maftir. Amalek. We don't really have Shvi and Maftir. We do Zecher and then Zecher Amalek. We just repeat the Pasuk. But we do repeat it in order to get both down. Maybe that's a way of doing it. But I've never seen anyone do it. I've never seen, I've never heard anyone do it. I asked five Balikriya, good Balikriya, who are involved in the city. None of them have even heard of it before, right? One of them said, I heard of it, but I never saw it. And he showed me a safer that has where all the tikkunim get their, their, their stuff from. And he said, there's nothing there. There's nothing I mentioned over here. Okay, really quickly. I'm going to say this in a really quick way. This is the ages. Okay, so I'm going to be super quick. Raja then asks why we need to know all this information. Why do we care who Ace of married or Yishmael's daughter, etc.? He says it tells that Yitzchak was 63 at the time. Yishmael was 74. He was 14 years old when Yaakov was born. He was 14 years older than him altogether, right? So he was 74. Yishmael was 74 when Yaakov Avinu was born. Remember, Yitzchak Yitzchak gave birth to Yaakov you know, at the age of 60. He's 14 years older, so he's 74. He lived until the age of 137. That's in Parakhat Pasuk Yitzayin. So it must be that Yaakov was 63 when Yishmael died. Again, because 137 minus 74 is altogether 63. That's got to be the age of, Yit- of Yaakov you know, right now when, he, when, when Yishmael died. The purpose of the Pasuk is to tell you all about Yaakov you know, life. We can prove from here that Yaakov you know, must have learned in Yeshiva's Aver for 14 years after receiving the brachos before he went to Haran. Because Yosef was born 14 years after he came to Haran. Remember, seven years to work for Rachel, which turned out to be Leah. Another seven years. During those seven years, he got married and he had all his kids. At the end of those 14 years, that's when Yosef was born. Right? That's why Yaakov wanted to leave Lovin at the time. This Paraglamet Aleph, Pasuk Mem Aleph. Yosef was 30 when he became king. Then there were seven years of satiety, two years of famine before he met Yaakov. Yaakov spent 17 years in Egypt. Right? Remember, he told Paro that when he came, he was 130 years old, and he died at age 147. 14 Plus 30, plus 9, plus 17 is 70 years. Plus 63 would be 133, which leaves 14 years missing. That's how Rashi knows that he must have spent 14 years, which he was never punished for learning Yeshiva Zaver, which I've always said. Can you imagine? His mother and father go up to him and they're just like, you know, son, you're 63 years old. We think it's time for you to find a wife. And he says, mom, dad, I understand. I think I need a little more time in Yeshiva. And they say, okay, a year? Two years. I need 14 more years in yeshiva. And he got married at the age of 77. Actually, he didn't get married at 77. He went to Haran at 77, worked for another seven years, and got married at the age of 84. 84. Now, granted, by the time he was 91, right? By the age of 91, he had a lot of kids. That's definitely true. <laughs> he already had all the 11 of the 12 Shvatim and Dina and possibly their twins. So, okay, that's a lot of kids in a very, very short amount of time. But can you imagine that? At 77, he decides he's going to go. At 63, he wants another 14 years in yeshiva. It's an unbelievable thing. <laughs> Asaph, meanwhile, has three wives, possibly five. He has 60 and 80, right? It's unbelievable. The Be'er Basada points out that Yaakov did not learn by shame. Did not learn by shame. He learned by aver. He may have learned an ohel shel shame earlier in his life, but shame died when Yaakov was 50 years old. Shame lived to the age of 600, 100 until he gave birth to Arpachshad, 35 until Shelach, 30 until Aver, 34 until Peleg, 30 until Reu, 32 until Sruk, 30 until Nachor, 29 until Terach, 70 until Avram, 100 until Yitzhak, 60 until Yaakov, and 50 when he died. That's 600 altogether. He stayed for 14 years and no longer, right, in Aver's yeshiva 
because says the Berbasada, that's when Aver died. Now, if you count that up, it's off by two years. But the Berbasada says maybe the years are not equal. But he does say that the Gemara Megillah says that Aver had died two years after Yaakov left. So he says, I don't know why he left before them then. But that's why he says, why did he stay for 14 years and not longer? Because Aver died. So he left Aver's yeshiva after Aver died, which is a great thing. Ramosha has something over here, and the Chafetz Chaim, the Chafetz Chaim says, it's such a simple question to ask, and this is what we'll end with. The whole world was waiting for the 12 Shvatim to come into the world. The whole world is waiting for this. The whole purpose of Avram, Avram Vita wanted to have 12 kids, it didn't work out, he only had one. Yitzchak Vita wanted to have the 12 Shvatim, it didn't work out, he only had two. And Yaakov Avinu is finally Zoha. he's going to have the 12 Shvatim. Yaakov Avinu is going to be the progenitor of the 12 Shvatim, he is the Miyaches. The thing that everybody comes from, it's B'nai Yisrael. We all come from Yaakov, you know, and Yaakov you know, is the ultimate. And then he goes at the age of 63 to learn for 14 years before bringing out the 12 Shvatim? Well, what in the world's going on here? Especially when his parents, the Gidole Hador, tell him to go get married. Should he not listen to his parents who are the Gidole Hador? Should he not listen to them? So he says, Chavetz Chaim says, we know what happened to Yaakov you know, in between. What happened at 63 that made him go to Yeshiva Shem Ever for the next 14 years? Eliphaz caught up to him. What happened with Eliphaz, everybody? Eliphaz took all his money, right? Left him penniless and destitute and put him on the side of the road. He said, I, I, nothing, right? He just threw him to the side of the road, doesn't want to have anything to do with him, which is also awesome, by the way. Can you imagine Eliphaz going back to his parents? He goes back to Esau and he's just like, so, did you do it? And he said, yep. You killed Yaakov? Sort of. <laughs> I love the Lephas. Like, I made him poor. That's like I killed him. Right, Dad? Isn't that like I did it? I love it. Absolutely love it. Anyway, the Chavetz Chaim says, now he knew after losing those 14 years, after losing all that money, he knew he was going to go to Lovin's house and had to pay for it. He didn't have money to marry Rachel and Leah. So he was going to go in to Lovin asking for Lovin to give him a loan. He knew that he was going to go in that way. And going in, asking for a loan, he knew he was going to be working for Lavan. He wasn't ready for that. He wasn't expecting that. Says the Chavetz Chaim, even though his parents told him to go, he immediately went to Yeshiva Shem Ever. How am I going to survive Lavan for 14 years? He spent 14 years by Yeshiva Shem, Yeshiva Ever, I should say, to make sure that he would be okay for the 14 years, which he knew through Ruach HaKodesh he would have until Yosef was born for 14 years. He says, the Chavetz Chaim says, the only way to protect our children from anything they may experience, right, anything they may have in the future, is to fortify them with Torah and mitzvahs before they leave us. And that's the lesson, the legacy the Yaakovinu left us. You're 63 years old. You don't think you should get married now? No. If I need to spend 14 years working for someone as evil as Lavan, I need 14 years of yeshiva to combat that. If I'm going to be out in the world and doing what I need to do, I need years of yeshiva to combat that. That's the whole point of what's said over here, and I think that's an unbelievably important thing. There's more to this, but we'll stop at this right now, guys. Have a great Shabbos.